The Quest Gaming Network presents Elder Scrolls Off the Record Community Spotlight everybody, welcome back to Elder Scrolls Off the Record. For a special edition, we are calling the Community Spotlight. This will be a random event when something or someone in the community does something that we find very interesting, and we bring them on the show to talk about it. And tonight, we have two guests, two special guests. But first, I am Joe the Widget Wilson, and joining me as always is Mr. Evarwin. Hello, Joe! Hello, chat room! Glad everyone making it out tonight. David Dean Force Adams. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to our bonus episode. And Shank the Tank. What is up, Internet? How's it going, guys? Welcome. Now, the reason of tonight, the main reason, we might start BSing a lot during this episode, which I hope will happen. Um, <laughs> we have the founders of Tamriel Foundry, the website. And that's Andrew. Hey, thanks for having us on. And Brennan. Hey, what's up? So, guys, tell us about Tamriel Foundry. What are you guys up to? <laughs> yeah, so thanks for uh, thanks for allowing to thanks for agreeing to showcase us. Um, Tamriel Foundry is uh, an interesting site. It's kind of our pet project. It's uh, a fan site and forum. It's mostly dedicated to theory crafting, strategies, guides, uh, that sort of thing for ESO. Obviously, you know, in the pre-beta phase, we're still sort of working up to getting our hands on the nuts and bolts, the mechanics that we really want to be spending most of our time talking about, but um, for the time being, we've really grown to have a, a really tremendous community, and, and the level of discussion and the, the community vibe that we have going on on the site is really great, and so we're uh, we're thrilled with the way that it's growing, and, and we can't wait to get into beta and to, to keep this thing rolling. Welcome to the club. Yeah, we see yeah. the uh, we see your community in the chat room. It was really nice of them to uh, to show up, and uh, they're cheering you on in there. It's nice, <laughs> nice, nice. Like the uh, nice the team guys. spirit, and our fans being a pain in the neck to me. <laughs> that, that's normal. Um, so these guys did a really awesome video that Wildy Varwin, and then he said you got to check it out. And I thought, oh. So we contacted Andrew. Andrew actually, this is not his first appearance on Elder Scrolls Off the Record, is it, Andrew? Yeah. And one that will forever live in infamy. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, it was fun times. It was a great, great occasion. It was 2 o'clock in the morning-ish. Um, after the whole Elder Scrolls e- online event last October, he was one of the ones that got to go down there and play the game with us. And uh, unfortunately, he was like Yvara when he played Templar class. But I'm not going to hold it against him for very long. <laughs> I promise. If I, what, do you, what do you say? What is that? Uh, virtual high five? <laughs> Yeah, virtual high five. Well, no, because yeah, of Templars. I'll, I'll take you up on that. Templar virtual high five. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we hung out with Andrew quite a bit during the event. He's a great guy. We had a lot of fun with him. Learned a lot about his website. Really impressed what they're doing. And um, so this is kind of also our attempt to try to build a good relationship with Andrew and Brennan. So uh, there you go. <laughs> All right, guys. So tell us about this video. What What made you decide to do it before we start playing it? 
Well, I mean, this was really Brennan's initiative. I, I think it was a, r a really great idea. So why don't why don't you take it away, man? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, I'm I'm the community manager, Tamriel Foundry, and I uh, I control the Facebook and the Twitter and all that stuff. And I see a lot of questions that people ask that have been answered, and a lot of people spreading false information. Um, and I think it's best that people know the correct information and the true information about the game. Amen. And no one be spreading anything that that could be malicious towards the game or hurt it before it even has a chance to come out. Um, so I thought it was really important to let the fans and everyone know uh, the facts behind the game. Very good. So you're basically Ari Varwin. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I'm the one that talks to you guys on Twitter all the time and stuff like that. Nice. Nice. So um, just so you guys know, yeah, Andrew recorded with us at 2 o'clock in the morning about the event, so... This is his number two appearance, and we're going to go ahead and check out this video. We're going to play it in its entirety and discuss and maybe talk some Elder Scrolls Online with these guys. I want to get into the nitty-gritty in case we forgot some details. So uh, we're going to play that video right now. Hey, this is Blade, co-founder and graphic designer at Tamriel Foundry. And this is Atropos, creator and developer of Tamriel Foundry. And we're here today to talk to you about some of the misconceptions surrounding the Elder Scrolls Online and debunk any false information you may have heard. Let's start by talking about the game's developers. Bethesda, the game studio responsible for Skyrim, is not the studio developing The Elder Scrolls Online. Bethesda has a sister company, ZeniMax Online Studios, both of which operate as subsidiaries of their parent company, ZeniMax Media. The big takeaway here is that Bethesda Game Studios can still dedicate their efforts to producing and publishing single-player games, since they won't have to divert time and energy to developing the MMO. Likewise, ZeniMax Online gets to take advantage of all the lore and art assets that their sister company has produced over the years. The next thing we're going to be talking about is how ZeniMax is handling servers in the Elder Scrolls Online, because it's probably a little different than what you're used to. Instead of using multiple servers to host ESO on, ZeniMax is only going to be using one server called a Mega Server. This doesn't mean that ZeniMax has done away with multiple servers, and they have created one huge enormous server for ESO. Instead, they have found a way to network all of the different servers together and only separate players through phasing. This means that when you're in-game, you don't have to re-roll a new character or switch servers to go play with your friends. All you have to do is switch world phases. So you're probably wondering how you're going to find your friends in this enormous server, but it's actually not going to be that complicated. ZeniMax has programmed the Mega Server to act intelligently, and it follows a priority system when determining where to place you in the game world. At the top of the priority system is your guild and your guildmates. When you log on, if you have guildies online, the mega server is going to place you in phases with them. If you're not in a guild, or you don't have guildies online, the next priority are people on your friends list. If you don't have friends or guildies online, the mega server will then place you in phases with people that you share similar interests with. The way the mega server knows if you share similar interests with people is a survey that you fill out after character creation. After you create a character, you have the option of filling out a survey that lets the mega server know what type of player you are, like if you're into PvP, RP, grouping, or soloing, and the mega server will place you with people who are gamers just like you. By this point, you've all probably heard that combat in ESO draws direct inspiration from the action-driven, real-time combat system featured in Skyrim. There are some key differences that have not been as widely explained. While the control system is very similar, with left-click triggering light and power attacks while right-click engages block, targeting and ability usage works a bit differently for the MMO. There are two ways to target enemies. 
By simply aiming your reticle at a foe, you softlock onto them with an intuitive, hands-free system. You don't have to actually aim your attacks, though. Spells and abilities are automatically directed at your target. Alternatively, you can hardlock onto an enemy in order to continue focusing attacks on a specific opponent. This will be important to keep from losing your target during large-scale fights. Combat performance is governed by the usual attributes of health, stamina, and magicka, although armor and power also count as stats in ESO. Perhaps surprisingly, Xenomax Online won't be reviving the pantheon of strength, agility, speed, etc. At each level up, you have the opportunity to increase one of the three main attributes, unlocking passive perks at threshold levels of each. While health is critical for survivability, stamina and magicka are both crucial for combat performance. Blocking, interrupting foes, escaping crowd control, and executing special melee attacks all consume stamina, while casting spells relies on your current magicka reserves. Active combat abilities have no cooldown timer, so players are forced to manage these combat resources carefully, go for broke at the beginning of a fight, and risk leaving yourself incapable of reacting in an extended skirmish. The Elder Scrolls Online is a three-faction game composed of the Ebonheart Pact, the Eldmary Dominion, and the Daggerfall Covenant. Each faction has specific provinces that are designated for their faction. Factions cannot venture into enemy faction territory, which means that someone playing an Ebonheart Pact character can't go into Daggerfall Covenant provinces. Provinces are going to be their appropriate size, which means Skyrim in the single-player game is going to be the same size as Skyrim in the Elder Scrolls Online. However, not all areas of each province are going to be available at launch. Zenimax has already stated that they're saving specific areas in each province for future content releases. Elder Scrolls Online has a hotbar, which allows you to slot two weapon attacks, five class skills, and an ultimate ability. The choices available are determined by your chosen class, and are designed to allow for a tremendous degree of flexibility in your preferred loadout. Every class in ESO can use every weapon and armor type, so designing niche builds to fill a desired role is only dependent on your class's base ability selection. Your proficiency with each weapon type levels up as you use them, unlocking new and improved active attacks. All classes have access to spells, although obviously some classes possess a greater specialization in magic usage than others. While the spells in the game at least nominally originate from the traditional schools of magic, the array of explicit skills that has been a trademark of past test games is not featured directly. Instead, individual abilities level up as you successfully use them, granting more advanced and dangerous versions as your character advances in mastery. Thank you for watching the first of many videos to come from Tamriel Foundry, and we hope this has cleared up any misinformation you may have heard about the Elder Scrolls Online. Alrighty, Ivarwin, I'm... Ooh, hello. Nice, nice bikini. <laughs> anyway. Uh, YouTube for the win. YouTube for the win. I'm almost tempted to watch that video. Anyway, um... <laughs> and my wife gives me the dirty looks. Aww. Joking, joking. Um... I'm going to let you go ahead and take this away from right here, Varwin, because this is sure. your shtick. Sure, sure. Uh, so, so first of all, guys, thank you very much, uh, Brennan and Andrew, for that, that amazing video, Misconceptions, regarding yeah, Elf no Online. Yeah, you're very welcome. We hope it was uh, helpful for people who haven't maybe been following the game I quite had, as close I had to, to turn up some of the diehards. I had to turn up your guys' speakers, sorry, um, to, to do the video volume correctly. So now you guys just blew everybody's eardrums out. So that was my bad. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's correct now. There we go. 
So, um, all right. So, just real quick, uh, I mean, it re- it's really polished and and uh, the information is is dead on, um, and it looks very professional. I mean, how long did it take you guys to actually make this video? Uh, it took about took about eighteen hours to put it together, oh. not including. Well, that was just building it. That's not including doing all the voiceovers ourselves. Um, probably over thirty. Wow. wow. Yeah, Brennan. Brennan did all the heavy lifting there. I, uh, you know, I just pitched in with some audio. Showed um, up and said, "Okay, what do I read?" Yeah, uh, <laughs> more or less. <laughs> well, uh, it's it's extremely professional. Um, I just, I, you know, some of these points. Uh, you made some unbelievable points uh, in in the entire video. Uh, six, I counted in in total, with a couple of sub points in between. Uh, some of these, I guess, we'll touch on. Others, you know, uh, we'll we'll spend a little time on. We've got Dave and, and Shank here. Uh, you know, jump in, ask questions. You know, as it as it comes up. All right. So, so uh, all right. Game. The game is being developed by both, um, by by Zenimax Online Studios. And I really like the fact that you pointed out that it's this that this was number one on the top of the video because a lot of people still get confused over and we see this all over twitter oh well you know uh i really don't like that because now they're not making elder scrolls 6 and uh you know all of their resources are gonna be you know dumped into the mmo and right off the right off the bat you said bethesda will will continue to make single player elder scrolls games zenimax online studios is their sister company they're making eso and the, the nice part is that they get all of the lore and the art assets of Bethesda. Yeah, I agree. I think it's I think it's something that's really important to get out there. And it can be a little confusing because, you know, you don't usually have uh, a company whose, like, parent is also sort of shares the same name. So you've got, like, Zenimax, Zenimax Online, you know, who is, which is which, I have no idea. Sure. Um, but I mean, so I understand where some of the confusion comes from, and then you know the the name Bethesda has always been associated with with Elder Scrolls. So you know, you see an Elder Scrolls game that doesn't have Bethesda's tag directly on it, people are like, you know, what the heck is going on? Um, sure. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do ahead, think it's Brent. important to add, by the way, that Zenimax Online is actively working with Bethesda in terms of keeping the lore consistent. Oh, While yeah. Bethesda is not the one developing the game, everything they kind of do that are major decisions have to be passed by them as far as lore, um, not not any design standpoint. But I think that's important to note. Right. Um, um, when oh, we were, sorry, yeah, well, when we were all there, in fact, you know, they don't share the same building, but they're what ten minutes, fifteen minutes away from each other. Yeah, very close proximity. So. Um, they work very closely. Right, so, who did I who did I interrupt just now? Oh, that was uh, sorry. I kind of interrupted you. This is Shank. Um, you guys mentioned uh, you know they're closely working with the lore, and right off the bat, I mean, um, that's one of the things that's like the, one of the major draws for me on this game is the consistency with the lore. You know, something like that. I absolutely love reading up on stuff like that, and the fact that you know we haven't really experienced this this uh, time period before in these Elder Scrolls games. And just, you know, you read about these things in books and stuff in the game, and now you actually go back and experience it. I think that's really awesome. I, I'd actually even go one further and maybe propose a somewhat unpopular opinion by saying that I think there's two main reasons why you could argue it's a good thing that Bethesda isn't the one making ESO. Uh, and the first is obviously that that frees Bethesda up to continue 
making the single player games that, that so many people love. Oh, I agree completely. But, for you know, sure. in, in terms of what is going to make ESO successful, another another argument that I think is important to make is that uh, Zenimax Online was specifically founded to bring in seasoned veteran MMO developers who have been doing this for years. Matt Firo and company, they are like some of the best in the business. And we saw what happened with Swotor, you know, when, when you take people who are used to making single player games and you repurpose them to making an MMO, you know, some of the some of the MMO aspects just don't come through uh, as the as you would expect. But you know, Zenimax Online is built from the ground up to be an MMO studio, and so I think the fact that they have that sort of division of labor where they're the specialists, they're the specialists in designing this type of game, that can only be a good thing. You hit a very very key point there. Um, from a design standpoint, a single player game is a completely different animal than an MMO. You can usually, from concept to finish, pull off a single-player game within two years with a good enough team. An MMO, that's unheard of if it's going to be worth anything worth playing. There's just too much to it, too much of too many angles from an MMO standpoint. There's it's more of a living, breathing world that is af- actively evolving from thousands of players, if not millions. So it, it's you need people who understand that to make that kind of game. Yeah, of course. Um, all right. So <clears throat> speaking of understanding, I think one of the hardest things to understand, especially if you're if you're a veteran MMO player, is the servers in ESO. Uh, now, when we were there, they told us big mega server and all of our jaws dropped. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no one really understands. Like, I think this is probably... Uh, the first time I've heard an outside source other than Zenimax saying that yes, it's a mega server, but it doesn't mean that it's one huge physical server. In fact, basically, and if I can quote you guys, um, it means they found a way to network all of their servers to act as one and separates through group phasing. Um, I think that's not said enough among among you know fans who who are anticipating this game um i think number one people don't understand that it is going to be yeah and there's another thing you've already went on this i'm sorry but we've seen it a lot especially with our top 10 reasons post on our Mm -hmm. website a lot of people don't understand the mega server and they keep on putting it well world of warcraft is mega server and i keep i think just want to slap them around and dunk their head in the toilet or something because they're completely wrong <laughs> uh, <laughs> World of Warcraft uses multiple servers that are linked for instances. Um, as in, if you want to join up with someone on a different server, it'll have to pull either you to them or them to you on your server. And right. you can't do like raid groups with people if you're on a different server. It doesn't work that way. You can't be on the raid team. Mm-hmm. Um, Omega server gets rid of that that divide. And says everybody's on the same world, the same atmosphere. It's a hard concept, but I think with the um, little uh, questionnaire that they're doing to put you with like-minded people, put you with your guild, that kind of nature, it's going to limit the viewable players on the scene. Now, Joe, I had a question, for, uh, design question for you. Uh, you might be able to answer. So, with this mega server, is that one of the reasons that they can claim uh, that they say that you know you can have real-time combat because? Does a mega server allow for that reduced lag and input and stuff like that? You know, that goes into programming, which I have absolutely no flocking clue about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When they actually brought up the whole mega server concept, I was racking my brain around like, okay, well, how are you going to make this work, guys? Yeah. 
Yeah, it seems like a network hog to be able to link up multiple people fighting the same enemy and at the same time have immediate combat reflexes going on between two separate clients on two separate servers connected up to fighting the enemy that's shared between the servers. It's just, it's, it seems like there's so much going on that I, I'm, I want to see this work right, but it scares me to think about how that would implement properly. Yeah, well, it's, it's actually not as complicated as people are making it out to be. Um, yeah. I compare it a lot, if anyone played Tor, how they had phases, or they had instances of each of their game worlds. It's literally just that, but the different instances are just servers. So it's being able to server transfer in-game easily without having to leave or pay a fee or do anything, and, and being able to do it all the time. There's actually not that much that actually goes into it. Another thing I want to bring up really quick, too, was the whole phasing concept. People also get that World of Warcraft mentality um, of phasing. They look at it that way. Like, well, that's nothing original. Well, there's two different ways of doing phasing, and that word can have a bad connotation based on certain games like World of Warcraft. I know I keep bringing it up, but it's the perfect example. World of Warcraft phasing is they put you in different instances of the same area depending on where you're at in the questing or in the story. Now, how World of Warcraft does it is, if you and your buddy can be in the same area in the same quest chain, but if you're on different levels of the quest, you won't be able to see each other even though you're standing on top of each other. Um, from what I played with in Scrolls Online, that's not the case. Um, there's a town in Morrowind, I forgot the name of it, where you have to save them. It's um, Thank you. I... I finished that quest chain. I saved the town. Every time I went in there, people were cheering me on and all that kind of stuff. I met up with Yvarwin in that town. He explained to me he was just starting that quest chain. Yeah. So I was walking wow. around with him as he was doing his quest chain, even though I was on a completely different phase. People were cheering me on, you know, high-fiving me and all that kind of crud. He couldn't see that directly, but he could see me, and I can go help him with his parts of the quest. Yeah. That's so sick. It's it's crazy. It's it's absolutely crazy the way it's it's just so seamless. Um, but you know, the uh, you know Andrew and, and Brennan, you guys said it best when you explained this whole thing. Um, you know, it doesn't. There's not one huge physical server, all right? They just found a way to network all these servers to act as one and separate them through group phasing. Um, and and then the priority given between one your guild and then your friends list, and then if none of those people are online, common interests based on that survey you filled out will group you with with people as well. Right. And there are different, what they call it, uh, Andrew, where they said, like, for instance, for the um, uh, the PvP aspect of the game, you get into different uh, Campaign. campaigns, yeah. which are, like, different groups, if you will. But you can switch between those campaigns, is what they were talking about, where they're coming up with the idea, or developing the way to do that, where you switch between campaigns, depending on what you right. want to do. Yeah, so, I mean, they want to make switching between campaigns less fluid than they have when you're just switching between zones or phases of the PvE world because, you know, one of the most important parts for the PvP process is that you develop some sort of sense of rivalry and, and, and identity in your PvP yeah. campaign that you're, you know, fighting against the same enemy guilds, you're fighting alongside the same friendly guilds um, and so you learn to recognize the people that are in your PvP environment um, so they, you are going to be able to change campaigns but it's going to be there's going to be some sort of cost associated with it. I'm not talking necessarily about dollars, but I'm, I'm talking about there's going to be something that will be costly to you in some way. You know, either it'll be on a timer 
or it'll cost you some money or experience or renown points or whatever. Because um, they want you to stick with the campaign that you've chosen. Right. And anyone who's like, for instance, when we do, do our uh, Quest Gaming Network Guild, people who are in our guild will be basically on our campaign, is what I was understanding from what they were saying. Yeah, yeah, guilds guilds will join campaigns together. So, another... Th- uh, I just lost my train. I thought I had something else that was really good. Because I'm watching in chat room and what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, right, right. The reason why the campaign, where they do it separated by campaigns, is such a good idea is you don't want millions of people fighting in Cyrodiil. That gets overcrowded quickly. Oh, yeah. I'll bog the server yeah. down. Right, you don't. I actually have something to add that I think is really important since we're doing this video. Is um, Matt Fiewer actually did an interview with uh, a New Zealand magazine, um, and the number 200 is being thrown around all the time, and people are kind of not understanding what that means. And I, c- I just wanted to clarify. So the game is built in Cyrodiil to handle up to 200 or more players on screen at one time. That And that doesn't mean that you can only have 200 players per zone or 200 players in Cyrodiil. He's confirmed that you can have 2,000 players in Cyrodiil at one time split between three factions, but, but there's no 200-player limit. I just want to like clarify that because everyone's right. kind of confused by the whole they thing. They were just showing, throwing out there as an example number. Two, wait, 2,000? In yeah, Cyrodiil. He, he yeah. confirmed that you can have 2,000 players in Cyrodiil yeah, at the same time. Per campaign, correct. Um, yeah. I'm going to well. go freeze myself. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go sell my kidney so I can get a computer that will be able to run that. <laughs> I mean, um, the odds of, of that many people being anywhere near one frame of your, of your like, a viewable frame is, like, almost nil. But, I mean, the, the 200 benchmark is just what they're using as an internal reference point for what they want sort of an average spec PC to be able to handle in a large-scale PvP environment. So, I mean, if you have a beast rig you're going to really be able to take advantage of things like DX11, like multi-core processing, things like that, so you'll be able to render you know, potentially even more people than that if you're in that situation. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> All right, let's, let's move on to, uh, to combat in ESO, because this, I think, uh, Joe, yeah. you know, we, get, we probably get a lot of questions about yeah. this um, on the show. Mostly for me. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, just in yeah. general, just a lot of questions. So so just to confirm, and, and your video does confirm this as well, you know, action-driven, real-time combat that you see in Skyrim is, is basically the the feel that they were going for of the action in, in ESO. Um, and the reason why that needs to be said is because people get stuck on the hot bar. Oh, it, there's a hot bar? It's World mm-hmm. of Warcraft. No, it's... It's not just because there's an inclusion of a hotbar does not mean it's going to play and feel like World of Warcraft or any other MMO out there. It I means can't lie, guys. that there's a ho- I'm sorry, I'm keep on interrupting Varwin. When I first saw the hotbar, I didn't like it. I was like, "Oh, really they're doing this?" But I before you continue your thought there, Varwin, mm-hmm. after about maybe 15 seconds of combat, I was sold. Yeah. And that's all it takes. All it takes is getting your fingers in the game. And, uh, you know, just because there's a hotbar doesn't necessarily mean that that's, you know, that's all it is, is, is button mashing. And, um, you know, it's, it's definitely, you know, part of that, that, that Skyrim combat is, is definitely part of this. Um, so, so, again, just to reiterate some points, you know, you, you left-click with your attack, you right-click to block. All right, you get, you get two ways to target your enemies. And, um, you know, I'm hoping Andrew and Brennan can kind of 
you know, go into this a little bit more. Uh, didn't they remove Hardlock? They announced that recently, I think about a month ago or three weeks ago. Well, it, it, that's actually still... Maybe Maybe why don't we touch on targeting a little bit in just a little bit, but I guess before we move too far away from the hot bar thing, mm-hmm. um, I'd like to ch- chime in on that issue by saying that, you know, at, at its heart, all that a hot bar is is giving you an interface that allows you to access certain skills conveniently within the game. Correct. I mean, in, in a lot of games that we've seen, the hotbar becomes, you know, a button mashing, like, cooldown timing, uh, you know, whack-a-mole, where it's like you use things yeah. as soon as they come off a of cooldown, and you're just, like, cycling your, your abilities and, and whatever. But, I mean, that's not necessarily what a hotbar is. All the hotbar is is it's giving you a way to access your skills. And, I mean, for... To take Skyrim, for example, there's a hot bar in Skyrim. You have a favorites list that you pull out, and then you can quickly access certain skills that you favorited. I mean, that's a hot bar if you think yeah. about it. And so, for there to be a hot bar in ESO isn't some huge evil thing that's like killing the game or, or making it into something that you know, people don't want. It's just it's just a way to access your your abilities that you have. There's a way you can look at this in a, in better terms for the fans out there. Um, in Skyrim. I, for one, can't stand having to stop, especially if you're a caster. Stop your game, hitting your Q if you're on a keyboard and mouse. Having to switch between the different spells, assign them to a hand, going back in-game and continuing when you need something else, having to switch around. All that's doing is taking that that system and putting it in an easier interface on the screen. Exactly. <laughs> so you're getting like much more dynamic, real-time you know, switching of your skills and weapons, etc., rather than pausing the action and stuff. Yeah, Right. It works out to be a much more seamless action experience. Although there is, there is an important distinction with ESO that's important to, to note, is that unlike Skyrim, you're not loading a spell into a hand. You know, right. You're not saying, all right, this is my right-hand spell, this is my left-hand spell. Uh, it's, it's going back to a system sort of like you had in Oblivion, where you've got your weapon out, or, or, or what you had in Morrowind, where you've got your weapon out, and then in addition to that weapon, same whatever Oblivion. weapons you're using, you can, in addition to that, cast spells. So, yeah, it's the same thing you're uh, going to. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so then I guess that brings us over to the to the, uh, to the the targeting thing. The uh, the soft lock, the hard lock. Um, this is actually, you know, hotly debated, hotly contested. Um, and you, you guys kind of break this down in, in the video very, very simply, all right? Um, you say, you, you make two points, all right? You basically explain what the soft lock is. All right, you aim your reticle at a foe like we, like we do in Skyrim and, and Oblivion and Morrowind. Okay, you you aim your reticle at a foe and you just you just swing away basically. And that that kind of counts as like a soft lock. All right, you, your uh, your spells and abilities are automatically directed at the target when you put your reticle on the enemy. Right. And the last I heard, they were sort of making that a little bit less forgiving. So when we played, uh, you know, your reticle could be a little bit to either side, not really dead centered on your target, and you would still sort of be able to land abilities. You know, guys, I didn't even. Uh, really think about locking at all when I played. I didn't even realize it was there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's more of an assist than anything else, just to compensate for the network latency associated with having players on a mega server that are going to be very geographically disper- disperse. Um, but what I heard more recently is that they're sort of tightening the criteria for actually, for hit detection so that you have to uh, get your reticle more centered um, centered on your target than it, than it maybe was when we got a hold of it. 
As for the the hard lock, wait, um, I'm I'm sorry. Can I just ask a quick question? So yeah, the yeah, soft the soft lock is um, from what I'm getting is more it's it's just like the free form aiming. Yeah, sure. So it's it's I mean it's free form aiming, um, but you know in Skyrim you've got sort of true projectile physics, whether you know it's an arrow or whether you're actually swinging the sword. And there's physics detection that is going to is going to decide did that physical projectile strike your target, mm-hmm. and for them to have that level of physics detection in ESO is not really going to be practical, especially when you think about you know two thousand people in Cyrodiil or whatever. So they have to sort of approximate it with um, with a targeting system that feels like that real time combat, but sort of uh, hedges things a little bit to to keep it from. From uh, really being a, a logistical nightmare for their yeah, network. Could you imagine it? Like two hundred yeah. people on screen and like five arrows in the air for each one of those people. It would be. I actually have something important to add as as far as that uh, targeting that I think not a lot of people know. Um, if I was attacking Andrew and uh, Shank was in between me and Andrew, I would be hitting Shank instead of Andrew. There is... <laughs> I can't I can't, I can't. can't hit someone. You can't attack someone that's in be- if there's targets in between you. So, so at I, least there's I, something there. There is, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so if there's people... If I'm, if I'm an archer and I'm shooting arrows at someone in the very back of a group of people, it's going to hit people on the way there. It's not just going to go straight through them and not do any damage. Um, and I'm probably not even going to be able to hit that person. Yeah, well, that's going to be hilarious. Don't yeah. kill me, bro. Well, you're going re- to have to play. You're going to have to play smart, and it'll also make tanking. Think about it in PvP. As far as if someone wants to play a tank in PvP, instead of having a pocket healer, you can have a pocket tank and someone that runs in front of you and, and takes all that damage. And that would that would be me. That yeah. would be me. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good point, Brennan. I mean, just so people don't understand, don't misunderstand. Uh, he's not talking about friendly fire there, but he is saying if there's like an intervening enemy. Right, right. No friendly fire that I know of. That'd be that'd be kind of uh, bad if you're doing like they did in the demonstration video with like 200 pe- 100 people on each side rushing each other. You know, be, before they even met in the battlefield, half the other teams would be dead from friendly fire. <laughs> I would get booted so hard. We should we should just make that distinction one more time very clearly. You know, there's there isn't any friendly fire in in ESO from what we've played so far. What what the gentlemen here are talking about is is if you shoot a bow at your enemy and another enemy gets in front of that bow, it will hit it will hit that that second enemy instead of your original target. If your friend walks in front of it, it will it'll pass through them. That's that's basically what you're saying, right, right guys? Okay, right. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, to me, it just sounds like a point someone might get hung up on. And yeah, I agree. Um, all right, so so let's let's move over to the hard lock thing. What's sure. what is this all about? Now, I know you said uh, you, you can hard lock on an enemy um, if if you you know if you don't if you don't want to aim your attacks at them, which keeps you from losing your enemy in a large scale fight. What what is this? What is the basic idea of this whole thing? Right, so there's two purposes here. Um, one is just sort of a UI tool, like a tooltip. Uh, you know, in other MMOs, you your mouse, you're able to move your mouse independently of where your character's looking, so you can, like, select an enemy or you can tab-target an enemy. You can't do that in ESO. Um, so, you know, if there's, you know, 20 people running around on your screen and everyone's wearing armor that's, like, you know, everyone say everyone dyes their armor black, and you know it's like you're going to have trouble uh, keeping track of your target. Like you're right. going to have trouble visually 
tracking who you're actually trying to go after. So one yeah, of the purposes crazy. of the hard lock is to sort of put a UI element on your target to uh, demonstrate, you know, who you're even going after and help you sort of track, uh, track who you're trying to, to, to follow. And then the other purpose is a little bit more mechanical. So it's like if you have two or three enemies that are standing like right on top of them, Brennan already mentioned that, you know, if someone gets in the way of your attack or your projectile, you, you may not hit your intended target. But if people are really closely stacked, the game's not going to penalize you for that. And so say you have three enemies, three mobs or three players like right on top of each other, your hard lock is going to be sort of that like tiebreaker, that deciding factor of who is this attack actually going to hit. So if there's some ambiguity of like who your attack's actually going to land on and you have one of those people hard locked, that's what's going to decide. I am one of the few people that is still against the hard lock concept. To me, it pulls too much away Same from here. Elder Scrolls. It I, uh, takes I away completely from agree, Joe. I'm sorry. C- continue. Elder Scrolls, the hard locking system for an MMO is too um, noob friendly to me. It takes away from that feeling of Elder Scrolls, the act of combat. It feels like I'm cheating. I like my free aim system. When I was playing my Dragon Knight, I didn't hard lock anything. I didn't even touch tab. The soft lock system is a must. You have to have that, especially when you're working in a group environment in instance. The hard locking can cause a lot of issues, especially if I'm, if we have, how they're saying like the AI of the enemy is, is very intuitive. I need to be able to switch quickly. The soft lock allows me to do that very, very easily. Hard locking, having to try to tab through multiple enemies, it just takes the away from that active combat experience. Right, sure. Right? But I mean, the, the other side of the, the token here is is that you don't have to use it but it's there if you want it's to. It's also an advantage mean, for people we were, in PvP. When we were playing, you didn't even know it was there, that you could hit the tab button and cycle through. But I was using it all the time. Yeah. So, so I mean, you don't have to use the it. The other argument, though, well, is PvP. Well, Having, I mean, if you look at advantage. someone who's ranging, like a, a ranged damage yeah, dealer... I can see this being useless as a range. Like, if you're, if you're an archer, I always play an archer. I can't imagine trying to play an archer in a huge PvP battle with no form of hard locking. It would be a oh. it would be a nightmare. I completely disagree. <laughs> I yeah. hate to say I, it, but honestly I, I, this sounds like a horrible thing for a ranged anything, ma- uh, mage or an archer. Because you're gonna lock onto something, you're gonna shoot at it, they're gonna move an inch to the left, and by the time you're still shooting at it, every shot is gonna be gauged behind the person you're shooting instead of you being able to compensate on soft lock and shoot ahead of them to be able to hit them in time for them their movement. It I can't believe that's not exactly how it works. Um, yeah, the aiming doesn't have to be. It doesn't. The arrow doesn't actually have to exactly hit them. I'll let Andrew explain it. But your your projectiles are have sort of like a a little bit of homing on them. Like there's a little bit of uh, sort of projectile guidance in that. You know that's that's part of the whole point of the hard lock is like because of latency. If there if that wasn't there and you aimed at a physical point in space, and you fired a projectile at that physical point in space where an enemy was, because of network latency, if that person moved, your projectile might miss, even though when you fired it, it looked to you like it was dead on. So the point of the hard lock is actually sort of the opposite of what you were saying we're worried about there, in that it helps you to compensate for that, because it helps guide your projectile to to compensate for any little... uh, differences in, in the true position of the target as detected by the server. Right. Now that's that's the science behind it. And certainly any anyone who would who would say, 
you know the who would you know say that is you know it's the difference between making a, a you know an Elder Scrolls game and a, an MMO that happens to be a good MMO that happens to be an Elder Scrolls game. I think it needs to be put put out there one more time that if you don't like this feature, at no point do you absolutely positively must have to have to use it. You do not have to use it. You can always, always, always well, look at it on lock. this side, regardless if it's an option or not for you especially in a PvP environment, if I'm playing a melee and I'm a ways away from a caster or an archer and they have me on a hard lock, I have no chance in hell of getting close to them. Because they're going to hold me on. You have block, you have crowd control break. I mean, they're giving you the tools to do that. Well, that goes, again, outside of ESO. And they still have to aim to a point, though. Like, you have hard locked on, but you still have to keep your reticle at least somewhere around your target. Target. If you're, like, jetting left to right while he's trying to shoot at you, and his reticle isn't exactly on you, he's still going to miss. It's not going to be able to fire. Now, it's not. It's still homing, but you have to be close to your target. Well, that's actually the definition of soft lock, not hard lock. The hard lock is somewhat requires the the soft lock, then. Yes. 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 You the hard lock, if anything, reinforces the soft lock. Right, you still have to target. Oh, okay. You still have so to it isn't aim just towards them. Your enemy can't be facing. You can't. You know, your enemy can't be north of you, and you're facing south, and you throw a fireball, and it goes like up over your head and right. and hits the yeah, guy. That's what I'm expecting. No, that's no, no, like, no, 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 like no, no, no. World no. of Warcraft, you can be facing completely away sometimes. Are you and serious? Able to shoot stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, wow. that's, that's not, that's, no, absolutely that's not. not no. No, okay, that's not you, what Okay, you guys just cleared up a misconception I had, because that's definitely what I thought, okay. That's yeah, what no. we're thinking, is in World of Warcraft, you can be 90 degrees off of what you're aiming at and still hit it. No, you still have to be facing your enemy. Your reticle still has to be, you know, on on your enemy or just slightly adjacent or above or beyond. You know, that 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 exists no matter what what you're doing. The the tab targeting over there, like 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 the gentlemen are saying, just simply reinforces you know the homing beacon, if you will, to to account for server latency. But still, even with that, you don't have to use. You know it. what you're explaining is exactly the definition of a soft lock. Yeah, that's okay. That makes life a million times better. <laughs> well, it is, but the reason the hard lock, the only difference really between a hard lock is a soft lock is soft lock. You're when you're if you're scrolling over people with the reticle, every time you scroll over a new enemy, it changes the enemy you're targeting. With a hard lock, you tab and you select that enemy, and if you scroll over someone else, it won't change your target, but you still have to aim. To and that's some actually degree called to a that. tab target. Um, a hard lock system, by the gaming definition is, especially in RPGs, is when you hard lock something, your character is in constant engagement with that enemy, regardless of your face. You're in constant face. So that's what an actual hard lock means. What you're talking about is called tab targeting, which is a little bit different. All right. Well, so so I guess I guess basically what happens with with this debate is that sometimes you know hairs get split and some the the semantics get a little a little shuffled around. Um, you know, I you know, Joe, I think I think you're you're kind of hitting the nail on the head with that. I'm so, all for so, tab targeting and soft lock. To me, that's a necessity. Now, when right. they get it, if they now if you say what throws me off too about this is when you guys are saying hard lock because I didn't experience hard lock. I didn't even know it was in the game. I may have hit tab and and it felt soft to me. So that's where I was getting confused on that. If it's a true hard lock, it's going to ruin the game. Yeah, it's, it's going to control your... There's it, no true hard lock. Hard is, lock. Okay, good. Because like in the other games, like Rift, uh, Swotor, uh, WoW, hard lock, you can basically play your character by right. tabbing to whatever you want to kill, 
and your character does it for you. No, let, yeah, yeah let's, that's not the case here. Do you know what happened? No, let's here, just gentlemen? say there's there's no Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time Z targeting in this game. <laughs> that's exactly what I did. <laughs> All right, guys, <laughs> I'm going to come clean to you. I was playing Devil's Advocate based on what we had from the last time we talked about this topic on the on the show. I wasn't there. Um, I wanted to really, really hash this out and clarify this for the listeners. And congratulations, gentlemen. I there think we go. We did. There. <laughs> Everyone deserves a round of applause here for it. <laughs> this was very, very good. I'm the only one clapping. It's okay. I, I was clapping. <laughs> I just got one audible. <laughs> All right. So let's let's move on to to combat combat performance. Um, now you guys mentioned that okay. Health, stamina, magicka, all right, plus your armor and power. Um, there's no strength, agility, speed, etc., etc. All right, when you level up, okay, you, you put points into health, stamina, magicka, you know, armor and power as well. Um, and you can also include uh, one of those in order to gain, you know, passive, passive perks as well. Is there anything regarding your video that, that you had spoken about? Uh, that you want to go a little bit further in in relationship to to this and how the how the points are spent between these three things and is there anything else you want to, to elaborate on? Um, it's awesome. Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. I I mean I think that we still are waiting for more concrete information on their character advancement system. I mean we've seen health stamina magica. We've seen that investing into those three. Uh, attribute lines unlock perks for you. But we've also heard about other types of perks that you can unlock in the game that don't necessarily seem related to one of those core attributes. So uh, there may very well be some sort of parallel character advancement system that we haven't even heard about yet. Um, yeah, so I think um, I, I'm not, this week even indicated that that given what we saw, which was a lot, they're actually adding even more in their in their advancement system. Um, I had a question quickly. Uh, so just reading the notes, the health, stamina, magicka, armor, and power. So correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I'm reading this as saying, so when you, when you level up, you gain a point, a skill point, and you can place it in one of those. Uh, do each one of those have branching skill trees, or do you get assigned perks as you gain a certain level in a certain attribute? Yeah, they're not they're not branching, and so uh, in terms those. of like having a more robust character advancement system, that's what leads me to speculate that there may be some additional mechanic that we don't know about yet. Right. Because okay. the health, stamina, magicka are li- they're linear advancement trees, and you're you're allocating an an attribute point, and based on that allocation, you get an attribute related perk. But I I feel like there may be something more than that because that would seem. A little bit simplistic if that's all it is yeah so when you level up you have a choice to um to put a point into health stamina or magicka and the more the more points you put into one particular um attribute you you work toward gaining a uh, a passive a passive perk if you will mm-hmm. uh so for example i and, and uh you know um Andrew, you might you might remember this better than I do, but when you you put enough points into health, I think you actually gain a, a passive perk that increases your endurance overall uh, to give you more hit points. It was something like that, right? Uh, yeah, and I mean the that was the the fir- sort of first tier health perk. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first tier endurance perk was that it gave you like a small heal over time every time you successfully blocked. I, I picked cool. that one up. I thought it was really useful. Yeah. That's pretty um, awesome. 
And I don't remember what the first Magicka perk was. I think it might have been uh, Resistance or something. I was um, going completely like across between Health and Stam. I, um, I do have a question on this, actually. Now, y'all are saying that there's no attributes like strength, agility, dexterity, speed, different things like that aren't on gear or anything, right? No. the There's just the health, sta- health stamina magicka, and then your armor and your power are sort of derived stats based on your gear and your perks. Now, your, your gear, how do you know what's better? Are you just going off of armor and power on your gear, or does gear have crazy bonuses on it, like... I don't know, speed of attack or anything like that? Yeah, I was just going to ask the same it thing. It really depends on what your loadout is going to be for, for the, the role you're, you want to fulfill. Well, how do you know you're getting an upgrade? Um, well, I, I think, you know, there were... Your gear did have stats, but at the same time, we were very much experiencing, like, the newbie experience. You know, we, yeah. weren't, we didn't find any epics or legendaries or whatever. Hey, so, I, I found green, uh, man. I was like, one of the people that found a green on a freaking mud crab. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I got into the public dungeon and I started getting a bunch of green gear uh, in there. But, um, and that, you know, it did have stats on it. Like, I found some that had extra points of health or stamina on the gear. Uh, there was one that had extra power on a, on a sword. So, I mean, those stats are on there, but I would also expect that there will probably be specific gear specific attributes, like maybe like attack speed or damage or, or resistances or something. Because I think that. They will want to have a nice variety in the in the gear that you can obtain, and if they've only got five stats to work from, it's going to be hard to really have there be much variety there. I think that'd yeah. be nifty, though. <laughs> hey, can I uh, can I answer a question really quick that I saw in chat? Sure. Um, there's a there are actually yeah there's a, there's a bunch of people asking questions. So there's four classes only confirmed so far that are the Templar. Uh, Dragon Knight, uh, Warden, and Sorcerer, and then there's two rogue classes that they haven't named yet, and they haven't said anything about. And they so actually I haven't just... even named the the Warden or Sorcerer yet. That's no, just that's what just kind of what. The, yeah, that's what we saw at the event, but those right. weren't even available. When we were at the event, they only said four classes. That's all they were doing, and it was the rogue type, the mage type, Templar, and Dragon Knight. Uh, no, I mean, so Warden and Sorcerer were two mage classes that were ava- that were shown on the character on the character select screen, but they weren't available to be chosen. And then there were, like, placeholders for two rogue classes there as well. All right. Disagree? I'll... No? <laughs> no, no, I, I, I honestly... Um, I only guys... saw four. Two, yeah. two locked, two unlocked. That's all I saw. I asked, uh, I asked Nick about Nick Conkle, and that's what he told me. Yeah, it's the Warden and the Sorcerer that were there, but they were not selectable. At least that's my recollection. It's better than mine, to be hey, honest. I mean, there's, <laughs> honestly, guys, there is so much about this game we do not know. <laughs> it's not yeah. even funny. So, I mean, you guys could be right. I could be right. We won't know until they fully confirm everything. I think the symmetry of it would make sense, though, because we know we've seen so far that there's sort of two might classes. You know, the, the Dragon Knight and the Templar, they're both warriors. They're yeah, both sort of like classes. It could definitely make sense classes. to have six. I mean, uh, I, w- and I wouldn't. Then, you know, to have that symmetry for, like, the, the health, stamina, finesse of two of each, I think. Uh, would make sense at least. You know, I am very. Um, I, I gotta keep it, mentioning this and reminding people about this is that the class is only the base of your character. It's not your character. It's not what it's gonna wind up being. So even right. if I chose the rogue style for my base, I could wind up being this two-handed or, you know, sword and board paladin type eventually. It's just it it, it governs my class abilities. That's it. 
Right, but you also govern your class abilities, which is something I don't think we've mentioned yet. Um, so you'll have like a whole range yeah, of exactly. different abilities you'll have. And if you slot those, so if I'm a mage and I slot fireball, if I keep using fireball, that fireball spell is going to level up, become more powerful, and maybe even enhance that spell. So, so when I cast fireball, instead of casting one, it'll cast three fireballs. So you can really like customize your class to your play style. Yeah. Um, we had a question also that that was pretty cool by Raphael. He said, uh, what's the difference between a Dragon Knight and a Templar? Um, from what I saw, the Templar had more magic-based abilities like healing, um, more of your Paladin-esque style. From what I saw, from little we saw, this is just what we little we saw, the Dragon Knight was very offensive. Come here, I'm going to kick your butt style. Very yeah. little Get over healing. here. Oh, gosh, like yes. Two-handed, two-handed warrior type with... Uh, I don't know it was kind of it was kind of a little uh, death magic esque almost. Mm-hmm. Not that he was using any death magic, but but very like a shadow knight, death knight type of type of feel to it. I am so tempted when I first make instead of my usual widget name I use for every one of my first characters to name him Scorpion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, guys, is there anything else? Um, you know, Brennan, uh, Andrew, is there anything else on on? Um, Combat performance uh, regarding the the progression and all this uh, that you want to you want to elaborate on. Uh, I don't have anything, Andrew. You? Yeah, no. I mean, I think this is one of the things where we're in a little bit of a holding pattern. You know, we, yeah. we saw a lot in October, and it was great to get a first look at the game. But there's so much we really only scratched the surface, and so we kind of are, are waiting for for more details there. Oh, I forgot. You're gonna have to choose a first and last name in ESO. It's not just oh, one name. So I'm going to be yeah. Scorpion Widget. That's right. Yeah, and they, they do that so you can have your, your favorite name opened up to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do the tank. <laughs> I right. had a, I'm sorry, guys. I had a, I had a question on, um, uh, I guess, class skills, but I don't know if we have got to that yet. But so, yeah. Just go ahead. Going. Go ahead, Shank. Um, speak, okay, so you guys mentioned the classes, and you'll have like your, your own pool of skills. So... Am I making a correct assumption here that each class has a different set of skills? Yes. And that you can slot those different skills into your four hot bars, your four hot bar slots? Yes. Uh, yes, there's actually six hot bar slots, five class skills, and one ultimate ability. Okay. Um, okay, so so uh, moving along, all right, uh, factions was, was something that you started to cover at the at the close of the video. Um, you had brought up, which is something that we, we all know if you've been following, uh, members of each faction may not cross into enemy faction territory. But then you, you, you let out this little gem, which I think is extremely important to, to know. All right, Provinces and ESO will be their appropriate size. Example, Skyrim in, in uh, Elder Scrolls Six is the same size in ESO. However, all areas in the province are not going to be opened up at launch. And there's a lot of towns that didn't exist a thousand years ago. Right. Um, so, okay, here's the thing. Good news and bad news. The bad news is is you're locked into your faction's territory. The good news is that size of that territory is about the size as a normal Elder Scrolls game. Uh, and then some, because you're looking at three territories. Exactly. Well, so so the... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Every so it, it's almost as if every single every single faction territory is going to be about the size of of three Elder Scrolls games. That makes me sad. To be perfectly honest with you, I'm sorry. It just does. 
what if Skyrim in uh, the the province of Skyrim in ESO is the same size of uh, the Skyrim, the game Skyrim? I don't know. I was just expecting it to be bigger. To be honest with you, it's uh, I don't know. <laughs> why, why would it be bigger though? What? Why because it's because it's a video game. You can change whatever rules you want, right? So nah, I, I just want rules. more land to Man, explore. I walked into my house today and I was upset it wasn't bigger than yesterday. <laughs> also, Shank, you well, gotta, I don't know. I mean, I knowing just want more. to like walk around and explore. I want you, more land. I want to see more stuff. Of I don't the same think you understand like, I don't know. yet the scope of this game, regardless of what you think it is. Yeah, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be huge. That's one of the great things about Elder Scrolls is. Oh, oh, currently the the game has only taken place on Tamriel, but the lore is so huge that I mean you have an entire planet, and they have all kinds of stuff you, they can use from everything. So, I mean, there's there's going to be you're not going to have large swaths of land that are undeveloped. I mean, you, you are going to go, you know, five minutes in any direction and and find a tremendous amount of content. Yeah. Within those five minutes, I mean, you're going to be going from you're going to be walking out of a out of a town and find a cave two minutes later, and then you go through that cave. Right. It's going to take you twenty minutes. There's, like right, but my biggest concern is that like you you walk from like in in Skyrim right now the game, you can walk from Falkreath to Riverwood in like about five minutes, like five to ten minutes max. And like in a giant MMO, I was hoping it'd be like, oh man, you're it's going to take thinking, you half an hour to walk from. You're only thinking about not even one one eighth to one tenth of the overall map. I'm 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 not looking at the overall map though. I'm looking at the the area of a province that you're starting in. Like I wanted it to be bigger. I don't right, know what Shane, else to say. Well, look at it this way: when you take a game that is so rich in lore that has a huge huge fan base in lore, if you change that just to put more land, you're gonna piss off a lot more people to make happy you don't have to change it dude just expand it like i don't want it to take me i mean if these are supposed to be towns and provinces i don't want it to take me five minutes to get from one town to the next i want it to take me a couple hours because that's what uh, it's <laughs> well that's well, huge i think you're forgetting that you're also only talking about above ground and you're not talking about so you got to think about all of the dungeons you're going to be going in and everything else didn't you guys have a public dungeon or something that took you to like yeah. one of the planes of oblivion there's going to be I mean, in one province, sure, like, it, it, it might seem, because it's the same size, it might seem a little small, but there's going to be so many different dungeons and little areas to go into underground and, mm-hmm. and in the plains that are going to make it feel a lot bigger. Yeah, I mean, that's fine, but I just, if I, I'm an explorer guy. I don't want it to take me five minutes to get from one village to the next. That's just me. That's my personal opinion. I, I still think, haven't yeah. explored all of Skyrim the game. And then I, you're going to throw me well, in Skyrim, a new one, with, Shank, with a bunch of extra stuff added into it? And it- Shank brings up a good point, okay? And the reason why he brings up a good point is because there's a lot of people out there that feel exactly the same way. I think what we have here is is um, them, Zoss, releasing information that, that on the surface doesn't sound or look good, but when we finally do play it, we're going to realize, wow, this is this far exceeds our expectations, um, I think now, the game's going to feel big enough, uh, but it felt I mean, big enough when we were playing the alpha. To be to be honest, I mean, Joe, how, sure. How many, Joe? How long were we actually looking for each other? We were sitting a, yeah. a, a computer away <laughs> with no one in between, and you're on telling this me tiny I'm, island on an island, yeah, on a tiny little piece of Marwin, and we couldn't find each other. No matter how hard, we tried for like five or ten and minutes, I finally and, found him in the town. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's also worth pointing out. There's a there's a big developmental trade-off here as well, because if you're going to have, uh, you know, a, a game that 
that has like 10 minute real world travel times just getting from one town to the next. You're going to be bored to tears. Um, well, I would not be bored though. That's the you, thing. Well, <laughs> the only that. way to well, the only way to people. generate that type of game is if you're if you're sort of like randomly generating terrain using a computer algorithm. I mean, all the rage in development these days is hand placed objects, hand placed environments, hand designed uh, experiences for players, and you can't make a world that big. It's just not feasible. Not even on an MMO development timetable, without just like randomly generating swaths of terrain. I mean, in EverQuest. It was fine. You had enormous zones, but at the same time, those weren't hand textured. It was like let's let's select our grass brush and then let's like paste all, and then all of the grass of the entire zone like looks the same, and then we'll like hand place a couple little things. But I mean, that's just not the the way that games are really designed these days. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sorry to be like har- keep harping on this and be a downer, but that's just my opinion. I I want explore. I, like I, I don't want a one to one ratio. When I when I was talking about this earlier, when we were talking about offline, how frustrating it is to me when people have misconceptions because they haven't tried it yet. Year on yeah, but I mean, I I'm, we're reading the the data right here, right? It's going to be one to one from the province, the single player province to the uh, to the MMO, unless mm-hmm. I'm misreading it. And it, I personally just don't want one to one. I want the MMO to be bigger, but that's just me. Well, I'd take it if it were bigger. I certainly wouldn't complain. <laughs> I'd love it too, but um, you know, I think. My opinion is that the single-player game provinces are pretty freaking huge. I mean, like, uh, like Dave pointed out, you know, it's like you, you have to really work to even explore every inch of Skyrim. Like, that is a huge time investment. <laughs> yeah, so see, I've already done those. that, though. I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. Go ahead. No, no, it's okay. I mean, I think, I think this is about played out. But, yeah, I mean, I'd love, I'd love it if the game world were bigger, too. But, I mean, it's an MMO. They've really emphasized their focus on continued provision of game content post-launch. This is something that we're really excited about at TF. They have these plans for these adventure zones that they're going to be releasing on regular on a yep. regular basis. And so, I mean, if anything, the continent of Tamriel is going to get more completely filled in and, and, and bigger. And, you know, as people have pointed out in chat, we have the potential to even go other places as well. So, um, it's just the start. You're starting with uh, a prov- you know, you're starting with three times the the size of a, a, a single player province. Shank, let me. Uh, can you see the uh, live stream right now? Uh, let me tab back in. Yeah. Okay, got it. All right. This is our starting island. We spent two hours. What, at. what is the starting island? Can you see the screen? Oh yeah, the the top right, the mouse. Very very there. tiny yep. little thing right there. Yeah, that's the starting island. Or was it this one? One of the two. That was two and a half hours of exploring, at least. This was the other hour of our exploring. And this is the map. That, but, see, I mean, you say something like that, and I get... How, then how can it be, like, a one-to-one representation from the single player to... Because that just doesn't look like two hours of exploring. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, but that's... See, and that's that's kind of what I was getting at earlier, saying that, you know, it's... What we what we have here is is information coming out from Zenimax saying, saying this, and it doesn't look nearly as attractive as what it actually is. Well, and, you also have to figure that they're going to start the game out pushing you along. Right, right, right. The whole point is, is they're trying to push you along in the beginning to help you gr- get a grasp of the game and understand what's happening. Then you have to figure, yeah, in Skyrim, there was a lot of things to discover. This is an MMO. The second you think you're done discovering everything, they're going to add in more. Right. Yeah, it may be physically the same size, but... You haven't seen, none of us have seen the actual density of what this game looks like when you get into the, the meat and potatoes of it. 
Right. You hit on a good point. I think the density, if they do the density right, it will feel bigger. So and that's it. Right. Now, okay, between myself and, and Andrew, um, did, did we, and, and, and Joe, um, did, did we at all feel like there wasn't enough in, in what we were playing? No, I almost felt like there was too much. Andrew, what about you? I, I felt like it was great. I mean, I'm biased, though. I'm a completionist. I was on Bleak Rock Isle. I was, like, trying to track down every single one of those missing villagers. Yeah, um, same here, you man. Know, so for someone like me, someone who really likes to explore and, like, try to try to complete everything and get everything, yeah, there's tons of content. The content density felt great. If you're someone who yeah. wants to, like, rush the main quest, um, and and maybe you're approaching yeah, the game me. that way. It might it might feel a little bit less uh, complete. I don't know. Well, I I there was a comment made by the girl who was sitting in front of me uh, while we were there, and she said she actually felt like there there may have been too much content um, because she she ended up like leveling a little too much. Yeah. While while she was there. Now, of course, this is the alpha. They weren't they weren't you know. Sp- they weren't pacing the content for the level design at that given moment. I'm sure they're they're fine with that now, um, and that was something that was mentioned as well. You know, pacing just isn't there right now. We just wanted you to get your fingers into the game mechanics. So so. Yeah, well, um, but right. I, I did now, so much in the starting island that Nick even commented when he was behind me that I was two levels higher than the content in Morrowind. Yeah. All right. Um, so we're just to end off with with what you you guys ended off with in the video, the hot bar. Okay, uh, two weapon attacks, five class skills, one one synergy, which acts as your your ultimate ability. Um, this thing is designed for for flexibility. Okay, any weapon, any armor type. Proficiency with uh, each weapon type levels up as used, and you unlock new attacks as you go along. So regarding regarding how the how the hot bar is in relationship to the progression. Okay. How, how, uh, how did you guys, I mean, Andrew, how did you feel about it in game? And then additionally, is there anything else that you didn't get a chance to say in your six minute video about this that you want to touch on now? Oh, there's loads. We didn't say in the six minute video. I mean, I, I could it. talk it's, about ESO forever, but this is uh, no, no, no. Um, but, you know, <laughs> related, don't, don't turn me loose like that. Uh, related to your question though. Um, I don't know. I I think that, I mean, obviously we're all sort of on this high of, you know, the beta announcement just recently, and we're going to get to to see, uh, we're going to get to see and hear more about the game soon, hopefully. Um, I hope, you know, for all you out there in the the audience, I hope you all considered applying, uh, putting in that beta application. Um, But I don't know. I, I think that, I think that we've just about covered most of the key points. I mean, there's loads more to talk about, about the game and, and, you know, uh, we're going to be doing another video. We're going to be doing some more articles, and and you know there'll be plenty of, of talking points further down the road. But um, all right, Brennan uh, what about, and Brennan, what about you, Brennan? I have one thing that's my favorite part of of the combat that oh, yeah. no one has really talked about oh, yeah. so far. I got to talk about it. So their <laughs> synergy, <laughs> their synergy abilities are a really big deal. And the reason mm-hmm. I think they're a big deal is because other games in the past, like recently released Guild Wars Two, didn't do them well. But so basically how they work is I can combo my abilities off of an allies and they don't have to be in my group to make them more powerful. And they're extremely obvious and you have a small like UI notification that lets you know that they're there to use. So if Andrew is a mage and he casts a 
Firestorm as a warrior, I can run into his Firestorm, spin around in a circle like with a, you know, quote, Bladestorm type spell, and fireballs will spit out everywhere. And I think that's something that's going to make the combat extremely interesting. And also enemies that you fight in PvE are going to use the same things against you. And I think it's going to make combat really hard and really interesting. Yeah, even with just um, the Dragon Knight's first energy attack, they get the Dragon Armor, whatever that's called, where you basically burst into flames. I was thinking uh, how that would play off, and I can just imagine a maze-type character taking that and making me ex- actually like explode in a fireball around me. That would be B.A. Yeah, and I mean, so, I mean, a Dragon Knight has an ability where he, it's called Conduit. If someone has, like, a lightning storm, he can go into it and he sprays lightning all over the place. And I don't, it just, it makes it really neat and it'll make PvP crazy awesome and, and PvE all that more interesting when enemies are, are synergizing together to kill you. Um, it's going to be really unique, I think. Awesome. All right, guys. Uh, so, so we're at the bottom of the show now. Let's just finish up with any final thoughts, and uh, you know, we'll we'll. Uh, Man, we'll even Ivarin wants to take my job now. Mm-hmm. Okay, Ivarin, go ahead, take over. <laughs> uh, do you have any final thoughts? <laughs> well, since you asked, um, <laughs> I just want to thank Andrew and Brennan for coming on talking about these tonight. I think it was very, very good to clear up the air on all this. And understand that we still don't know a lot about the game. And what we do know could change before launch. So I'm just saying nothing that we talked about today is set in stone. Well, I think a lot of things will change. And I think it's going to be up to the quality of of feedback that they get through the beta test process. And I really hope that the people uh, who get invited to participate in that take that responsibility seriously and and give them good feedback and and help work to, to... help Zenimax deliver a really polished game uh, come later this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, thank. Uh, just related to the show in general, thanks so much for having us on. It was great to get a chance to talk about the video and the game. It's great to talk to you guys again. Um, and I'd, I'd love to encourage anyone out there who's watching who hasn't checked out Tamriel Foundry yet to, to look us up. And, um, you know, I think we've got a really nice community for, for discussing the game and mechanics just exactly the same types of things that we've been we've been chatting about on this show yeah what's that uh what's that website guys uh it's just uh tamrielfoundry.com all right and uh you can you can find exclusive articles right from tamriel foundry written there mm-hmm. uh a nice yep. uh, robust forum where the the community of elder scrolls online and elder scrolls in general has been meeting um what else what else can they find there oh well you know prior to uh, beta prior to the launch of the game we're sort of focusing on the community building angle uh, we've got a great document called the development FAQ it's full of information about just about everything we know about so far um, we try to keep that up to date and you know you can you can spend an hour at least reading that thing over and then you'll know just about as much about the game as, as we do um, and in addition to that you know we have all these uh, all these big plans for the future for the types of content we're going to we're going to be yeah. providing so and not to mention we also host um in case anyone doesn't know we allow players to create their own guilds as a form of community for recruiting and uh and if you're looking for a guild we have a whole data- database that kind of lets you search through and find people who are who are gamers like you oh. yeah I, I noticed someone nice. in the chat was asking about guilds we have a, a guilds directory we have 208 guilds registered for eso so far and some wow. of them are, are really great and um, 
a lot of them have a whole bunch of members already. So if you're looking for a good community to get on board with early, um, look, look, look that up in particular. TamrealFoundry.com. That's, uh, that's where to go if you want to make your guild, guys. All right. Really, really quick. Ivarwin. Yeah, um, you are listening to Elder Scrolls Off the Record. You can find us at our website, elderscrollsofftherecord.com. That's part of our Quest Gaming Network, and our portal site is questgamingnetwork.com. Uh, if you enjoy the show and you want to write in, you can email us at elderscrollsofftherecord at gmail.com. We have a YouTube presence as well. That's youtube.com forward slash Network. You can pick us up on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Zune, and of course, if you if you prefer, uh, you can get our RSS feed off of our website, and you can use your very own RSS reader on your phone or your mobile device as well. Uh, don't forget our other shows as well, Minecraft, Minecraft Off the Record, and our uh, QGN Community Cast, Minecraft Off the Record Live is Sundays at 7 p.m., and QGN Community Cast records every other Friday. That's Eastern time. Indeed. Eastern. Uh, Twitter. Twitter's your thing. You want to tweet at us, you can find us at Elder Scrolls OTR. Joe is at the widget, W-I-G-I-T. I am a Varwin. You can find me at Evarwin, E-V-A-R-W-Y-N. Dave is at D-N-Force, D-I-E-N-F-O-R-C-E. And Shank is at Shank the Tank, S-H-A-N-K-T-H-T-A-N-K. Uh, guys, Tamriel Foundry, do you, have a, uh, do you have a Twitter that you would like to promote here? We do, yeah. It's just uh, at Tamriel Foundry. Wow, that was unique. <laughs> I, was very, I, I was getting creative with the name. Yeah. Hey, simple the better, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. We were going to do Elder Scrolls off the record, but they said, no, too long. <laughs> All right, anything else you guys want to give out before we close, wrap this up? No, just uh, thanks so much for having us on the show. You guys run a, a really great podcast, and I think you're uh, doing a great service for the community, and keep it up. Yeah, we had a great time. I love listening to you guys. If any, you know, all the people listening to you guys, you guys are the best you know, ESO coveragers out there, so you guys are great to listen to. I'm blushing. Yeah, for sure. You can't see it, but I'm blushing. Oh, um, God, thanks, God. thanks so much for for being on tonight, guys. I look forward to doing this again. I really do. So when you yeah, guys got sure. some other big thing or we get another big announcement, we'll bring you guys on for another another special episode like this. Yeah, we'd love that. We'd love to talk to you guys again. Sounds perfect, ladies and gentlemen. Elder Scrolls Off the Record is a Quest Gaming Network production in association with Middle Earth Network, and I just want to say, boost for all you all. Next time, take care, everyone. Be safe. May the foos be with you. Keep it locked here. Elder Scrolls Off the Record, where Tamriel lives. Boost row to y'all. We'll see you next time. Till next time, guys. Shadow hide you. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs> Bye, guys. There's still a problem every time Joe speaks. And what problem is that, Dave? Well, we can hear you. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Jerk. But I'm <laughs> Nice. Now, now, Joe, you know... I slave you know Dave, for you guys. I slave over the hot keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> Punch, punching... No, uh, friends to go to. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll be your hand. Um, then Skeever King says, My subjects will leave droppings in your mead.
<laughs> in which case, I was just appalled. Appalled. Who's <laughs> 